Hi, I'm Samantha Varner, and this is the She Needs Grit podcast, the show where I dig into how to prioritize profit in your business and build an empire using grit and strategy and doing it in a simple, no BS kind of way. Let's get started. your host of She Needs Grit podcast, and I am so excited to share a friend of mine today on the podcast. I've got Amy Scott here, who we have known each other now for three and a half years. She is a financial coach, you guys, and I cannot wait to have a conversation around money. So Amy, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. It's nice to be here and nice to see you in your space. I miss talking with you, so I'm excited about this, Sam. Yes, me too. I was very excited on my drive into She Space today about the fact that I was going to get to chat with you. I was like, yes, we need to catch up anyway, and we can share all the gold with everybody on the podcast. So that feels good. Before we get really into the meat of the conversation, can you give us just kind of an introduction as to who you are, where you are, and what you do so that my audience knows who you are. Sure. So first of all, I am not in Texas. I am in Baltimore, Maryland. That's where I live with my husband and our couple of kiddos, our couple of teenagers. And um, I am a financial coach. Like you said, my business is Amy Scott Financial Coaching. And I specifically work with badass, purpose-driven women who want to get their financial shit together. And that's either, and almost always, if you are an entrepreneur, It's your personal and your business finances, just having a lot of clarity around how one affects the other and not allowing our finances or stress around money to get in the way of taking some of those risks or those leaps that we either want to take personally or professionally. So I help women really get clarity around their money. I love that. I have, um, Amy and I have known each other, as I said, for three and a half years, but we first met when we went through a financial coaching what, training, I guess we would say. Mm-hmm. And both of us were kind of like in this periphery of, okay, how are we going to coach in this space? How are we going to talk to people about what parts of money or what parts of their lives? And so we've this has been just a joy to watch kind of both of us over the last three and a half years really transition and shift and nail down who we're talking to and what we're talking about. And it's just been very, very cool to have a relationship where I've gotten to see that from you and you've gotten to see that from me and we can pull off of each other as we do. Um, Just because sometimes you need somebody in your own space Mm -hmm. that can either help you clarify what you need to do or call you on your own bullshit or push you a little harder or just cheerlead when you need a cheerleader when it feels hard. So. I've been uh, so grateful for that relationship. We ended up, um, <laughs> it's actually a little bit of a funny story how we first how we first got together was we were going to this event. It was in Arizona, so neither one of us is from Arizona, obviously, and we decided we would room together. Yeah, we didn't know each other. It, it was fine. And so that was kind of the beginning of what has become a great friendship, so be risky guys when you're when you're out in the world doing things just room with a complete stranger it's totally fine it will turn out great yes always <laughs> yep okay so when 
you're talking about money in general. So when we're talking, it can be personal or it can be business. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the number one complaint you hear from your clients? What do you think they struggle with? Or what do you think they identify as their struggle? Whether or not that's really their struggle, but what do you think they come to you with? I would say that a bunch of different things, but usually they will come to me with either, you know, I'm overspending. I don't know where all my money is going. I think one of the biggest things I'll hear from women is I feel like I'm making good money and I don't know where it's going. Like, why don't I have more to go towards the things that are important to me? So that's probably one of the biggest things I'll hear is like, I'm doing better either, you know, like W2 employee with a business, however that looks for them. They feel like they quote unquote should be doing better and they just mm-hmm. can't see where that money is going. And they feel like because of that, it's leading to maybe um, like debt that's piling up that they're not sure where that came from or why that's not going down overspending or like savings. They feel like I should be able to put more away. And I keep saying that word should, because I feel like that moves into pretty much any main issue or complaint that comes to me is people saying, I feel like this should be better. I feel like I should be better at this. And they're looking for help in that area to to really feel more confident and in, in control. Because a lot of times they have a sense of feeling like, I'm not in control of what's happening with my money. And I think that's what leads to the stress. Yeah, I I think that should word should just be eliminated almost from the vocabulary. Like, mm-hmm. and I agree, I hear that from clients all the time. I should be doing this. I've heard I should be doing this. This piece of marketing, this way of promoting my business, I should be able to sell things quicker or faster or more clearly i should know how to talk to my clients so well right and it's like what who the hell made up these rules like who (laughs) what are we holding ourselves what standard are we holding who's doing this that you should be like them right i think for sure it's interesting to see that but i do think that especially with money Mm. there is that thing like i own a business i should understand my money I should know how to invest. I should know what expenses I should have or shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And um, I see that with clients all the time. And Mm -hmm. there, but there is no, there's a real lack of beginning education Mm -hmm. in that way that would allow us to kind of have built up some of these skills. In a lot of cases, I know in my circumstance, a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I talk to, haven't ever had any sort of formal money training, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Even just like an accounting course or even a very basic bookkeeping course. Yeah. Almost never have mm-hmm. they done that. And yet they feel like they somehow should have by osmosis gained that knowledge. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in a lot of areas, we hold ourselves to the standard of what we may see like one or two people doing around us and thinking, again, I should have this better together. And mm-hmm. it's not even... You know, I'm definitely with you, uh, eradicating should from our vocabulary. But the piece that I really get to is that should is not necessarily inherently a bad word. It's just not a compelling reason to Mm. action around something. I like to say it's not a compelling why. So if I'm going to work with somebody, I'm not going to have them be like, okay, so that you later can say, oh, well, I did this because I should. That will never carry the day. Right. It's not yeah, compelling enough yeah. why to have you continue to take action. It might work for a month or two because I should be doing this. But that's the piece that I think you have to get to before anything else is getting clear about the why behind it. Like, is it because 
Do you want to get your, you know, financial shit together because you want to be able to invest more with your business, right? Mm -hmm. Or because you want to buy your bigger house or because you want to send your kids to X school or work less time at work or, you know, whatever it is, have it really be grounded in something that compels you because if not, it will occur like that class you took in high school or college and never really enjoyed and felt like I should be doing better in, right? And I think that's really a reason to hire a coach is to get grounded in that thought of Mm -hmm. why that compels you. And then, yeah, like tricks of the trade. Like I am a huge systems person. So I'm constantly Mm -hmm. looking in my life for like, who is doing this better than me? Who has figured out a system that then I can copy and paste and every system isn't right for me, but I'm definitely here to say like, yeah, people have figured this out and I can pull from them and learn from them for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's key. I think looking for, if this is a, if this is a thing, if somebody's sitting here driving their car and listening to us chat about this, right. And feeling like, oh, I should really get going on this. First off, that's funny. You said should in your head just now driving your car, (laughs) but also like there is, there is, value in seeking out somebody who really resonates with you, who really Mm -hmm. grabs you or makes you think like they're going to push you to do the work that you know you need to do, or they're going to make you think way beyond the boundaries of where you're currently thinking about your money, but about the reasons you would do it. Right. And I think that's um, when I think about the crush formula that I use with my coaching clients, the core of the C, right. The core is that piece, the, what makes this worthy enough for you to put in the time and the effort and the continual drive towards seeking that, right? And if you don't have that, if it's not clear, it's really hard to motivate yourself to do really anything, Mm -hmm. arguably. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to be grounded in that for yourself and be able to communicate that to anyone who is going to support you, why that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you talk to business owners specifically, because I know that that's definitely part of yeah. part of your audience. Um, what do you find they, they want to work on first? Like, what is the piece that they're like, yep, I need to eliminate debt or yes, I need to, what is it that they are, are most driven to do in their, within their businesses in that context? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, high level, they're looking to feel like confident and control. Like I said, mm-hmm. common things that they'll come to is yes, that piece around like, how do I get a plan around this debt? How do I stop overspending? How do I save for what's important to me? Those are some mm-hmm. of the biggest like challenges that they're coming to me with. And um, what they're missing, I feel like a lot of the time, honestly, really is clarity. They, what I'll find a lot, especially with some solopreneurs within the first couple of years of their business is that they are getting paid. It's a very variable income and they feel like Mm -hmm. they are never going to get out of that variable income. So when they have a higher month, they're trans, you know, they might be transferred more to their family or to their personal, right. For example, and they have this experience of like, Oh yeah, wow. The business is doing well. I'm moving this over. But then because they haven't turned that variable income into fixed income, which is a big thing I help my clients do, they feel like the next month is, you know, almost feast and famine. And then they don't have as much to transfer over. And that, if you share finances with anyone, is a huge cause of stress in like the personal finances of, well, last month you gave 2000, like 
you're telling me you can only give 300 this month. And then it's, well, you don't know my business and you don't know what's happening with the finances. But even if you don't share finances with someone, you may even be saying that to yourself. Like, I'm not clear why. I know maybe I had a higher commission or a client paid me up front last month or whatever, but you're not really clear about what's coming in reliably and how to best use that. So a lot of my clients will have a big commission, a big month, a big eight-week period, dump a lot of money towards debt, for example, and then be in the same situation four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks later of not having just not having a wider view, Sam, is I guess what I'd say. I inherently believe as women, as business owners, here's the thing. We've already gotten over all the hurdles to start the freaking business. Like we're already ridiculous badasses and like a very small percent of the population who got a thought, an idea, a dream out of our head and put it into existence. That is like, as far as I'm concerned, 99% of the battle, like created whatever it is. I don't care how many emails you're sending. I don't care what your website looks like. You have put this dream into action, but unfortunately it ends up being stressful because we don't have that clarity that connects those everyday financial choices with the longer term things that we want either personally or with our business. Um, So that's the piece I try to help people with is like, I call it the 12,000 foot view, you know, how do we get out of this surviving month to month into more thriving? Cause the surviving again is 99% like your business is still open. Good for you. Like that's freaking amazing. But how do we shift that stress into feeling more thriving? And I think clarity honestly is the first step there. Yeah. I love the concept of that 12,000 foot view, right? Because I do think that that's the part that becomes hard. Yeah. Right. And I know my clients go through the same thing, that feast or famine, and I'm constantly working with them to try and level that out so that it's not so many peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys for income. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that you can control. And I think some of it you can't control. I think some of it's just the nature of the beast. And depending on the type of business you have, sometimes it is just inevitable. Right. I deal with, Mm -hmm. as you do as well, a lot of realtors and Mm -hmm. That is a little bit of like, yeah, it's a chunk at a time. You can't guarantee you have a closing every first of the month. Right. That's not controllable. If you get enough closings, you're going to have one every month. And that's where we're going to start to aim for. But um, I do think there's so much value in starting to look at your money as a tool instead of something that you're fighting against. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot mm-hmm. where it feels kind of like a it is an argument between you and your money and why won't you do this and why aren't you available and how, yeah. I mean, the partner thing's no joke, right? Like being most of us who've created businesses are doing so to add to our family, right? We're wanting to create greater security or financial well-being for our personal lives. And that can be a really hard thing because the dream of what you want to do can happen much faster than the reality of contributing to the household or contributing in a meaningful way. So I do think, I think it's so, so valuable that you are open to that conversation that you're kind of like, I know, I know that might be happening at your house going on behind the scenes, which might be why you're a little pissy when you come to this client call today. Let's have that conversation out there in the open. Right. For sure. For sure. Do you think that women struggle with things with money differently than men? Do you think that there is a gender factor here at all? Or do you think that's just something we see in the media? 
That's a big question. I feel like I have to like write a thesis on that. I'm not planning to do. Um, <laughs> I just about spat my coffee right on the computer. That's awesome. I mean, I think some of it honestly is generational, right? So I yes. work with clients who are 25 versus clients, honestly, who are 55 or 60. And, and it's, you know, it looks very differently how they've been I don't want to say, what is the word? Like socialized as far as how they're going to be around money. Okay. So I think we're doing a better job in having, obviously, women nowadays feel more in control of their finances and have more of a say and have much more of a relationship of, yeah, I anticipate making as much or more than my partner, for example. I think that's very different than when I sit down with 45 plus, which I am one of those at 47-year-old clients who maybe kind of um, learned a different paradigm. Um, I still, one of the things I do see for women though, as business owners is that um, we really are looking to take care of our business and our personal in a way that when I've worked with men in the past, they may not have felt as much of an obligation and they may not have just I don't, I don't want to say it that way. That's kind of a weird way to say it, but it's almost like they don't necessarily have that 12,000 foot view on the personal side. Whereas I think a lot of times as women and moms, this piece, I don't really feel like we've moved away from as I'm young moms and with their kids and being like, knowing how much it costs to register, you know, for basketball and, you know, knowing how much it costs for like the lunch at school or like with the play, you know, like play dates or something like that, bringing snacks for the soccer team and, you know, signing up for band or what camp is and what we need to save for. I do have the experience a lot of times that women like can see that a little bit more of a wider view than some of the men that I've worked with in the past. So I think they just can kind of appreciate that bigger picture but I don't necessarily feel like that the messages as far as maybe some of my older clients have gotten as far as like, you know, you won't be as good with money or maybe won't manage it as well. I just don't think that that is alive and well in the way it was in the past. So that's good. You know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think you and I definitely live with a very similar mission in terms of wanting to create especially that confidence around money, right? And just a belief in like, of course you can manage this. This is just math. And it's really like maybe third grade, fourth grade math. So even though it feels intimidating and there's a lot of padding around it, at the end of the day, it's just numbers and it's just adding and subtracting, right? It's a very straightforward standard practice that you can do once you get figured out as to what the goals are that you're trying to achieve with your money and what your what your overarching plan is, right? Once you have that set out and once you have the system, then it's just a matter of plugging in the numbers until the numbers add up the way that you want to, right? Whether it's make more money or save more money or invest more money or whatever that looks like. Um, Yes. And I think if we just keep doing that, then this younger generation is going to be, I can't even imagine the badass entrepreneurial women that are going to come out of, you know, Cassie's age. So she's 14 now, right? I can't even imagine what she has the possibility to do now compared to what, say, my mom or my grandmother would have been even willing to contemplate, like even able to contemplate, not willing so much, but it's able. 
A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's where I think it is to, with anyone that I work with age, not, you know, not necessarily age dependent, um, but anyone, some of the most important work I'm doing with them, of course, is that number plugging, that clarity, that plan, connecting the everyday with the longer term goals. But with a lot of my clients, it's like, yeah, I've done this. Like I've done a version of this. So the work for us really to do is like to get underneath where they have not been successful. And yes, I use a system that I think is like the best budgeting system out there for personal and, um, and for business. And a lot of times it doesn't occur to people as easy. And I don't think it's because they're, you know, quote, not good at math. Or a lot of people say to me, like, not good with numbers. Like, I've never been good at that. I'm good at making money, but I'm also good at spending it. Like, all these pieces. And I think what I have found, Sam, at least in the last year of the work I've done with clients is, like, what are the thoughts behind that? You know, what are you saying, for lack of a better way to say it, you know, limiting thoughts, limiting beliefs. Because someone could be a 25-year-old versus six-year-old client with me. What are you saying about yourself and money that often is an unconscious thought? I, you know, I'd written this blog post that was like, are unconscious thoughts sabotaging your finances? And my husband was kind of laughing at that. And I was saying, yeah, I mean, he wasn't laughing at it because um, he didn't think that was true. He was just laughing. I was like, that's a whole Pandora's box you're opening. Uh -huh. right? Yeah, you're opening a giant, like, let's see what's in here. Exactly. He's like, well, of course, unconscious thoughts are sabotaging us all over the place. They're almost like gremlins we have to go after, right? But I think that is the importance of doing either our own self-work or working with a coach or working in a mastermind to allow someone else to see not just our money, but to see our thoughts from an objective point of view. I think that's probably the biggest gift for me as far as investing in coaches or programs or, you know, masterminds is what are other people seeing that is a bigger piece of the puzzle than maybe I'm giving it credit for that maybe if, if we don't use the word savage, but maybe limiting me. Right. I think there's these two pieces around it that it isn't just about the numbers. It's about what we say about the numbers. And sometimes when we can shift that piece, then it does become a lot easier for ourselves. And that's not because we had the best budgeting app. Right. That's yeah. really <laughs> gone to work to shift those limiting thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you are dead on, right? Like what our brains are telling us on in the background, right? That just that system that runs in the background at all times does dictate all of our actions, right? It dictates the results that we get. It dictates all of that. And I think um, self-work is really important, whether, you know, however you're doing that. But I do think there's something I would almost say that I've always gotten my biggest breakthroughs from somebody else being able to reflect back with complete neutrality. This is what I'm hearing you say. Is that what you mean? And you're like, oh, dear God, that's not what I meant. Like, <laughs> or is that what I actually think? Mm. It is what I actually think. And it's really mm. hard to do that excavation work if you're doing it by yourself. Yeah. Right. It's I think it's necessary to kind of do some of that self-work for sure. You can't do it completely with somebody all the time. You need somebody like personal assistant just to listen to the yeah. the way your brain talks to you all day long and correct you. Yeah. But um, it yeah, once I got to the point even in my business of acknowledging how much my personal 
thoughts were impacting what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, what I was like putting in a file folder and shoving far, far away from me, right? It's, it's, um, it's hard work, but it's also once you've started to do it, it becomes very clear and you start to be able to catch those thoughts faster and faster and faster, right? You're not so much like trying to find them. Eventually, you're just able to immediately see them and be like, oh, no, that's just, no, I do not accept that thought. That's just not coming in here today. Thank you and good day, yes. right? Yes, 100%. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. I love that. I think it's so critical. And I think you and I have both experienced that in a number of different like kind of group coaching mm-hmm. um, containers or one-on-one coaches that we've had. All of that, I think, has been so valuable to get us to the headspace of being able to just work through that stuff really confidently. Um, But it does take work, right? It just, it's not one of those, you know me, Amy, I'm an instant gratification person to a fault. And, And that's been hard for me. So I know that if there's anybody listening to this that feels like, well, but what do I just do? What do I just do? That was me for the longest time, trying to figure out if I could just tactic my way through um, ignoring kind of anything under the surface. So it definitely exists. And I think that's why you're there to help them pull back that that little peak there and go, okay, hold on, hold on. Right. Yeah, it's not about the app. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I, that's the, I feel like a lot of times I wear two different hats right? Which is why I love the world of financial coaching. You know, I used to be a financial advisor and took all the exams and all the series sevens and all the things, sold the products and felt like something was truly missing from the work that I was doing because it felt more like, you know, transactional, let's put it that way. Very important. Love my financial advisors, team up with a lot of them, but I'm like, that's not really the work I want to be doing. So when I found you know, four-ish years ago, the world of financial coaching, it was like, oh, great. I can wear two different hats. I can help people get the clarity that they think that they can't have around their finances and see it totally newly. And I can wear the coaching hat, which personally I've been wearing for over 15 years at this point. So like I swim in that kind of language and just, it's for me, it's not one or the other. Like I get to in both of those arenas, depending on what people need. And so just want to validate for any of your listeners that like, it de- there's not a start, this is step number one, this is step number two, like it could be what are those thoughts at play? And it could be like, yeah, I don't have a system that I can see my money clearly. I don't feel like I have a sense of what I need to make monthly in my business to support my family. Like it can be two different pieces. You don't have to go to work on all of it at the same time. All yeah. of it is important, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You have to, you have to do the work, right. Whatever work is left to do in that area for sure. For sure. Okay. So as we're wrapping up, Amy, what do you think would be, if you could boil all of your things, all of your brilliance down to one piece of advice, which is obviously impossible. What would you say for somebody who is, I always say driving because geez, I listen to a lot of podcasts in the car, but, um, what would you say if somebody is listening and thinking like, oh, this might relate to me, I might, where should they start? What is one thing they could do, a little baby thing that would make them feel like they're taking action in that direction? What's the one thing they should start with mm-hmm. to just 
move down this path or even like get to the beginning of that hiking trail? Mm -hmm. Where do they go? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. There's a lot of different things. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I know I'm like, this is going to be a very hard question. Um, no, but because I'm thinking of, you know, two different things. One is like, I think about myself, if I'm thinking, you know, if somebody is listening is like, gosh, I feel like I don't know where my money is going. Like she spoke to that person that really resonates with me. Like I, or I feel like I've tried a bunch of different ways of budgeting. I feel like I'm not good at that is what a lot of people say to me. I'm just not good at budgeting. Honestly, I would um, go to my website. I'm Amy Scott coaching because I have a PDF on there, Sam, that is truly three simple steps to up level your budget. So if someone is like a tactical person, which I am, and I'm a systems person, if somebody says like, what should I be doing? I get it about the thinking, Amy, but first tell me what to do. I'm going to say, you know, download, get that PDF and put those three steps in action. Um, that will start to give you some of the clarity we've been talking about in this conversation. I do think a lot of things shift because you will see your money in a different way. If somebody is like, yeah, that piece is working for me. The other piece I'd say, and I know you asked for one thing, but would be more, yeah, you know, take out your journal, take out a piece of paper and really just write free form, stream of consciousness. Where do you think some of those limiting thoughts around money may be at play for you? I just know one of them for me was just around like what I thought I could make, you know, like and that has been challenged by coaches for me. So that was a piece. But if you're more like practical, want to bring some of this to the surface, I suggest getting that PDF and start to go through that. I think that'll bring some thoughts up for you anyway. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to link that cool. right to the show notes anyway, because I do think it's so, so good. And I'll put a little line in the show notes of like, hey, if you're a tactical, let's take action. Uh, here's the link to the website. Otherwise, let's do a stream of consciousness and talk about... Um, Talk about what you think about money. And sometimes you can just start with one of the best um, things I've come up with to work through that is start with, what did I learn about money? What do I know about money? What was I taught about money? And think back to how did money show up in your family, right? So was it something that was stressful? Was it something that was abundant? Was it something, whatever that looks like and start to dive into there because it, usually what happens is the way that our money beliefs start at the very beginning, of course, is our family of origin has taught us things. Mm -hmm. Media we've consumed, you know, whether it's movies, that sort of thing yes. gives us all that kind of picture at a young age of what money means to have a lot, to have a little, yeah. all that sort of thing. And that what we tie together with the factual amount of how much money you have, mm -hmm. what does that mean, right? And those meanings are really what we want to get into. So. I love that. Yep. A hundred percent. Beautiful. Perfect. 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 Well, Amy, I'm so glad that you came to talk to us today. This was fantastic. I am sure that the audience is going to just walk away with a little bit of clarity and some direction as to where they're headed with their money moving forward. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. It's good to see you. Yes. Um, where's the best place to find you? So I know we'll put the website. Is the website the place you want to hook up with people the That's most? probably the best place. Just Amy Scott Coaching. Cool. Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook at Amy Scott Financial Coaching. So if anyone wants to follow me there, that's a good place to find me as well. Perfect. All right. Well, I'll link you all up everywhere. And otherwise, we will talk soon. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening today. 
I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the She Needs Grit podcast. I appreciate every single one of you for being here and listening to the show and supporting me as I grow this podcast. I would ask you, if you get a chance, please share this episode with a friend that you know is looking for the information and the profit growth in their business. That's how this show gets to more ears and increases the profitability of more businesses around the globe. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you next week.